Now, about six, seven years ago, Carlo Bernard, Chris Brancato and Doug Miro came up with a very good idea, which was the entire world is fascinated by bad men. Um, they came up with the series Narcos and the, it appeared to just be a two-season uh, show that focused on one of the most um, captivating characters in the criminal universe, Pablo Escobar, a household name the head of the Medellin cartel in Colombia and someone that is cringe-inducing to Colombians to this day. Medellin was the murder capital of the world for a long time and Colombia had a very bad reputation. I myself went to Colombia in 2010 and it was a wonderful, wonderful country of great diversity and um, I was safe everywhere I went. It, was, um, it completely changed and uh, Medellin itself has been one of the great success stories of regeneration. They um, spend a lot of money on education, transport infrastructure, instead of spending it on punitively attacking criminals. And uh, the whole thing has, has completely changed there. It's a very leafy, nice town compared to what it was back in the days of Escobar in the late 80s and 90s, where it was an absolute hellhole. Um, and that followed the amazing story of Pablo Escobar, um, an incredible story because he became, of course, the the largest drug dealer in world history at that point and did things like blow up um, a, an area next to a school to deliberately target children, blew up a commercial jet liner with more than 100 people on it to attack one person, and many, many delightful things along the way from feeding hippo, uh, drug rivals to hippos on his one of his many farms to generating you know 20 billion dollars a year in income and and just astonishing things to do with the amounts of drugs and whatever and money that was involved and his influence in politics and so on and that was a brilliant two series the guy that played pablo was magnificent the production values were through the roof and it was rightly acclaimed and a brilliant series. Um, and after they finished two seasons that ended with the death of Pablo Escobar, um, they decided to continue. And they did so by a third series, which was based on the Cali cartel. After Pablo's demise, the Cali cartel, uh, Cali is a smaller city in Colombia, and that took over after the Medellin collapsed um, post-Pablo. Uh, they became the, the big noise in um, drug dealing in Colombia. At that stage, uh, very much the prominent country on earth for selling cocaine to America, it should be said. It was, um, the market has always been America. And that was a very good series. It was a holding pattern series because they were called, I think they were called like the gentleman dealers or something like that because they, Unlike Pablo, they deliberately kept themselves as quiet as possible. So it was a much more low-key series. Uh, and then it came back with something that's happened in recent history, which has been the rise of the Mexican cartels, which have now come to dominate uh, the drug trade into America and completely obliterated the Mexican cartels. We've seen films um, touch on this, uh, which is the uh, likes of Sicario, which um, focused on uh, the cartels running through Juarez um, and so on, and um, the situation in Mexico being, you know, 30,000 people or 60,000 people dying uh, a year from this um, incredibly brutally violent drug trade. 
Um, the first series of Narcos actually went all the way back to the 1970s. And the people that first mass-produced um, marijuana, which was the character Diego Luna played, uh, who is a real-life guy called Miguel Angel Felix Gallardo, who is still in jail to this day. He and his uh, friends Rafa Caro Quintero and Don Neto, or Don Ernesto, um, formed this group of people that managed to produce marijuana without seeds and did so in some of the largest plantations that have ever been seen on planet Earth. And they started running this into America, but what it did was make them have a very good smuggling network, which the Colombians then would use to transport their cocaine because they were going via uh, Barbados and countries like that into Florida with their cocaine. And the American government, the DFA and so on, DEA, not the DFA, um, shut that whole route system down. And all of the Colombian cocaine going into America started going through these routes that the Mexicans had set up, uh, places like Tijuana and Juarez and so on. And in the modern era, we know that these are the, you know, we know, obviously El Chapo and the Sinaloa cartel is the most famous of these. But this goes all the way back to the 1970s when these people started. And it followed the path of um, Diego Luna's character, who's been the lead character in both Mexico's one and two. Um, in one, we saw him come to, um, basically, he started the whole thing. He got all of the groups these disparate groups in Mexico to come under one auspice. Uh, he got all the people working in Tijuana and Juarez and Sinaloa all to join together as a cartel, as this huge group of people that pulled their resources, that made deals with the Colombians and so on. And the way the series works is it is drama, but it is drama that is based in reality. Virtually every character is a real person. Their story arcs are, broadly speaking, real story arcs. Uh, when people die, it's usually the way they died. When um, people are, you know, forming alliances, it's usually the people they formed alliances with. Most of it is based on reality, at least. And the other main character is Michael Pena, who played a real-life DEA agent called Kiki Camarena. And he got too close to this cartel run by Diego Luna, uh, his Felix Gallardo, Gallardo character, and they ended up capturing him and torturing him to death. And if there's one thing you can't do if you're a, a, an international drug syndicate, take an American agent and torture them to death because that made them to the targets for everyone. Um, and the whole story arc of Narcos Mexico season one was to follow that uh, Michael Peña character, the Kiki Camarena getting too close and getting he died at the end of uh, Mexico 1 series 1 and obviously all hell broke loose the Americans suddenly weren't going to put up with this anymore and uh, the Felix Gallardo character then turned his back on Rafa Quintero who is out of jail he got out of jail in 2011 and has on the Interpol top 15 most wanted list he was released legitimately but now they've decided they want him back and no one knows where he is and, that, and he's been at large for about nine years. I don't know what happened to the other one, Don Neto, but basically the Diego Luna character gave up his two accomplices and became this incredibly ruthless man just to keep control of his empire. 
Well, Narcos Mexico season two has come out nearly two years after the, the first season. And not without controversy because one of the scout location runners was murdered looking for... Um, I obviously spent three and a half months in Mexico last year and never saw anything or anyone that I would have said was dangerous. But the hot spots all over Mexico keep changing continually. Um, and I went to Sinaloa. I went past El Chapo's famous jail where he escaped from. Um, which was quite something. I was just driving past and the guy said, that's where El Chapo escaped from, uh, in uh, Mazatlan, which was a wonderful place. Um, this time around, he's very much the head of the whole organisation of Mexican drug dealers. And he's a very ambitious and ruthless man. Um, and basically, this story follows his arc and the way that he tries to um, take control over everything in Mexico, including the Caribbean side of Mexico, which is the Gulf cartels, which are hitherto immune to his charms, and the way he puts his foot down on the uh, Tijuana and the uh, Juarez cartels and maintains control over the Sinaloa cartels with increasingly brutal methods. And throughout, you can see all of those different cartels becoming more and more offended by their lack of payment, their lack of agency over what they're doing, and him continually uh, being involved in things like Mexican elections. The way they rig one of the Mexican elections is quite something. And it's a major topic of the series that they um, are up to their necks being protected by people as far up as the, the heads of state in Mexico and the heads of the police department and so on. And you get this overwhelming feeling that when they do these massive drug busts of tons of cocaine or when a massive um, when a guy goes down and he's arrested, that it's all by design that the person's already lost what clout and power they had and that's why they're being arrested and that's why that dr those drugs were found. Um, so it follows him through the whole series, basically pissing everyone off um, and becoming more and more... Uh, alienated from his base and more and more aggressively holding on to it. Um, now, this is a brilliant series. I've loved every single one. It is so good to actually watch television that is produced to this filmic quality. The cinematography is fantastic. The, um, the music and the use of music and locations are wonderful. Um, and the cast is just incredible. I honestly think Diego Luna as uh, Miguel Ang hell felix gallardo is the greatest anti-hero creation of its kind since uh, walter white in breaking bad he's someone that started as a lowly police officer who was a bit corrupt and has become this biblical force of evil he's horrific what he gets up to by the end um, and his story arc over the two seasons is well, is just Diego Luna's performance. It's already won awards for the first series, and I think he's definitely going to win awards for the second. He's an incredible man. He's horrible, and they continually make reference to the fact that the, it, the, the price of being your partner is too high, uh, and it always is. Uh, and he does come to find out that that is felt by everyone. Um, everyone in it is great. There are so many good side characters as well. Um, I'm just having a look through. El Chapo, who I thought the whole series would be about, is a side character even up to the end of season two. It's, it's interesting that season two ends before, chronologically, the death of Pablo Escobar, 
which is quite interesting. That happened at the start of the 90s. We're still only up to the start of the 90s, and Mexico Narcos, sorry, Narcos Mexico Season 3 is going to focus on the rise of El Chapo and the Sinaloa cartel. So I thought that would be what the entire thing focused on, but it's not. It's on the guy that started the whole thing in the first place. And like I said, chronologically, we're not even as far up as Pablo Escobar dying yet. We're still up to about 1990. Um, and there are many, many good people along the way. The entire uh, Pablo Acosta, played by Gerardo Taracena, who died in a hail of bullets. He's a fantastic character. Um, the guy from the Cali cartel. All of the acting across the board is absolutely superb. There are some really strong female characters in it as well. I'm just uh, Teresa Ruiz as Isabella Bautista. She's a made-up character, but she's a really, really strong character. Beautiful woman, and she continually gets sidetracked by these men as she tries to pull off these huge drug deals. Um, Scott McNary is Walt Breslin. He's a DEA officer that's pursuing them. Um, the tension throughout, it's one of those series that's very difficult to stop watching. I think I did five episodes, five hours in the first day I started watching it, and I finished the whole thing in about three days. Um, it's, it's just over ten and a half hours long, um, as all the other series are as well. But the um, the tension build throughout is amazing. The writing is fantastic. Um, this time around, most of it is meetings between people, and they just never go the way that you expect them to go. Um, it's continual one-upmanship, brinksmanship, people... Uh, conniving behind other people's backs and and uh, the Diego Luna character just continually enters these meetings either pulling a trump card out of the deck that no one expected or having it done to him and it builds and builds up until this uh, monumental drug deal he, he stupidly enters into with the Colombians to import 70 tons of cocaine in one go tens of billions of dollars in one go um, it's an amazing story. Um, it's ultra high quality. Everything about it, the acting, the script, most of it's in Spanish, but um, the DEA agents are all in English, um, but most of it is in Spanish. Um, like I said, cinematography and music are, and locations are wonderful. The side characters are all really, really good, and it's got a great momentum towards it, and you're breathless by the end. So I'm going to give Narcos Mexico season two and the fifth season of Narco all across the board. I'm going to give it a nine out of ten. Absolutely peerless, top quality entertainment. And Diego Luna could well be on for some more awards for this characterization, which is right up there with Walter White as far as someone being corrupted by their own power. Brilliant stuff, Narcos Mexico season two, nine out of ten. Back to 1980. And this from...